you have found the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. We want to especially thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from October 31st, 2021. The sermon text was Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. The reading you'll hear first is from the New Living Translation. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Last week, Jeremy did begin our study on the book of Ephesians. I wasn't here. I've got the opportunity to listen to it via the Internet. Um, makes it handy. But... Again, our, our study will be working through, as we've been doing, the book of, or through different books, but this time it's going to be Ephesians, as you know. Um, we've heard the passage here this morning, and he actually is continuing some of the thoughts from last week. Um, the New American Standard actually starts out, verse 15 is where we're at today. For this reason, I too, the NLT words it a little bit differently there, but for this reason, and so obviously we've got to go back a little bit, um, and think about what it is that Jeremy reminded us of last week um, that Paul is saying. Um, again, to kind of get the context. But we were reminded last week that we have been chosen. Even the word predestined is in there. If you look back in the beginning of chapter 1, um, we've been adopted. These are words that we, we know. They're, they're Christian words, if you will, words that sometimes we just read over and we don't think about the true importance of it. But as Jerry mentioned, my prayer is this morning that even as we were reminded of these things, just thinking about who we are in Christ. Um, so Jeremy worked through these last week, that we've been redeemed, we've been saved by God, we've been chosen, we've been saved, and we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's given as a deposit guaranteeing and it's a pledge of the inheritance that we have received and that we will yet one day will be completely received in, in that inheritance. And so Paul, as we pick up today and the, the verses we're going to look at as we finish out chapter 1, it says, For this reason I too. And so thinking of all of those blessings, that the spiritual blessings that we have acquired as believers, thinking about all of them, and we could go on and on and on about the spiritual blessings that we have acquired. Paul prays for the readers, for those at Ephesus, and as he mentioned last week, this letter was most likely meant to be spread around, and so I think we could even throw ourselves in there in that, 
as ones who are reading it and, and understanding and wanting to understand it, but he's praying. Paul is pouring out his heart before the Lord for them as a result of this. So, and with that in mind, with all of those blessings that we have acquired, he continues on in this, this passage here in verse, verse 15. It says, For this reason I too, having heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. So he says, I've heard about the faith that you have in Christ. They've had, they have faith. He has heard about it. And in light of the blessings that they received, he says, I've heard of your faith and the love that you have for one another. And so they had made a name for themselves. Like they had love for one another. They had faith in Christ. And he was excited about that. But yet he's continuing to pray for them. His desire was to bring them in prayer before the Lord, lifting them up. And so we'll understand and try to get a better understanding of what it is that Paul was praying for them in this prayer. And it's just a, a beautiful passage of Scripture. And I noticed, and maybe you can keep track, I don't know, depending on the translation you look at, um, there's quite a few different songs um, that have come out of this. Just to give you a hint, Jonathan and I actually played one this morning for us. Um, that will come out of this, but there was, there was others that kept jumping out of me, especially as I looked at different translations, but a, a fairly well-known passage, but just a lot in here. And again, my prayer is that we will just get a better understanding. And that's Paul's desire too, is that we get a better understanding of who Christ is. Paul prays that his readers might know God personally and intimately. That is what he's praying about for them. That's what this section that we're looking at here today is a prayer praying that that they will know God personally and intimately. Paul continually in verse 16 continually gives thanks for them. Verse 16 says, um, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mentions of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ verse 17 the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul is praying that God, the Father of glory, would give them a spirit of, first thing that we mentioned there is wisdom. We've, it was kind of interesting. I didn't watch the, um, the Bible Project video that we were going to be doing today, but in there there was a lot of talk about wisdom and what, what that is. Um, one, one author put it that it's insight into the true nature of things. So Paul is praying that they would have wisdom. It's more than just knowledge, but wisdom is a deeper understanding into the true nature of things. The second thing that he mentions there in verse 17, and of revelation. So there's a unveiling or a revealing. It's revelation. Something is being revealed in the knowledge of him. So if you think about it, Paul's prayer is that they would know God better, that there would be a deeper understanding of who God is. They would not just know about God. They wouldn't just have a list and have a, a doctrine or a theology, but that they would truly know in an experience and in relationship and in an intimate way that they would know God. And that is what Paul says. He's constantly bringing them in his prayers. He's bringing the Ephesian church before God, praying that they would have this deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge, a true wisdom, and a revelation of who God is and how he is revealed through Jesus Christ, that they would know God better, not 
just know about God, that they would experience intimacy in their relationship. In our Sunday school class, we're working through the book Experiencing God, and then there, there are ideas of how to experience God. And I've, I've enjoyed my, I haven't been in the class as much as I'd like, but in my own time of studying it and just do we desire to experience God or do we just, are we content knowing about him? Do we want to be a part of what he is doing? And that's, that's the challenge of that book. And I think it was a challenge as I looked at this passage as well. Do we desire this or are we content just knowing a lot about God? It's interesting when we look in Revelation and the words that Jesus has for the church at Ephesus, if you'd like to turn with me to Revelations chapter 2, it, it, was, it was interesting to think about this and to hold that in light of what Paul is praying for them. In Revelation 2, verses 1 to, five, to, the, uh, 1 to 5, sorry, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you protest those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. So they understand, they know, they have their theology is, is, is figured out. They know, they understand, they can't, they will not listen to false teaching. They will not be persuaded by false apostles, but listen to what he charges them with. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you're falling and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. There was a, a knowledge there, but there were lacking wisdom. There was a theology that was straight, and they, they understood a lot, and they knew a lot, but it's here in, in Revelation, Jesus is calling them to return to their first love, and I, and I wonder at what degree this was happening as Paul was praying for them. Had they already started to lose or to, to leave that first love? Um, a lot of times we look at that as kind of like something that's just kind of drifted away, but as you actually look at that idea of leaving their first love, it was a conscious choice to choose to chase after the things of this world and to not allow Christ to continue to be the center of their lives. There was a deliberate walking away from that. That was the charge that he was making to them there. But here this morning, Paul is praying for them that they would have wisdom and that Christ would be revealed, that God would be revealed to them in a new and a fresh way. And that was his desire for them. Do we desire that in our lives? Or are we content just knowing a lot about God? So what was the problem? What was going on with this church? Why were they, why did Paul feel the need to continually lift them up in prayer, praying that they would have a revelation and, a, and have a true wisdom and a, and a relationship that was intimate with God? Verse 18 tells us, of, of chapter 1 again, back in Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints so 
his prayer is that their eyes, the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. I think the NLT says that they would be flooded with light so that they would begin to see, like it would just overwhelm them, it would overtake them, that the blurriness, the, the dimness, whatever it was, however you want to see it, in the eyes of their heart, whatever that looks like for you, that they would be open, that they would be able to see who Christ is. It's apparent that obviously they were struggling in their relationship with God. They had faith. They had things they, they understood. It seemed like they were wanting to know and to desire to know more about who God was, but they were missing something. Their eyes were not clearly seen. And Paul is praying that, they would, that it would be revealed to them who God was through his son Christ. That, that was his prayer. He wanted them to get a glimpse of that, as, as Jerry's talked about here this morning. Do we desire that in our lives? And it's interesting that Paul attacked this problem that he saw there in prayer for the people. It wasn't something he could just go and give them. It wasn't something he could just tell them to do. But he knew that it, took, it was going to take a supernatural intervention for them to get a glimpse of who Christ was and the work that he was doing. And he wanted that for the Ephesian church. He wanted them to understand and to have a true revelation of God in their lives. He wanted that for them. It wasn't being seen clearly. There was obviously something that was hindering their view. He lists out three different things there in 18. I've read them. The hope of their calling. He wants that, them to have certainty in the hope of their calling. And that is representing something that's happened in the past, their calling when they were saved. He wants them to have that hope. And it's not just, I hope this happens or I, I hope it stays nice today so I can do this or that. Like, he wants them to be certain and be founded in that and what has happened in the past and the work that Christ did. The second part there, and the riches of his glory, of his inheritance, and that's, that's us. One day we will be given as the inheritance when things are completely perfected. We will be a part of that, and that's looking to the future, as well as the inheritance that we will receive through the work of Christ. But then in the present, what he wants them to experience is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. He wants them to know and to experience the power of God right now, right in the present day-to-day -day aspects of their life. He is praying that for them, that they will experience, that they will know the surpassing greatness of his power that is towards us who believe. He wants them to experience that. And I don't know, if you think about your life this morning, I don't know if you think of the word, if the word power comes to mind, and if maybe even us as a church, is, is the power of God being lived out in our lives? Is it, do we see it as being towards us who believe? As I think about my own life, I think that's probably the last word that would come to mind. We, we see the struggles that we, we can't seem to, to deal with or can't seem to take care of. We see, you know, relationships that we struggle with. We have all kinds of upheaval that seems to be in our in our society and in our culture and we don't know what to do with it and it I mean the the idea of saying that we as Christians are walking in the power of Christ it's like yeah no I don't I don't know that that's how I would describe my life we see a lot of the, the things that you know we want to see happen for the Lord good things that we want to see happen we want to see God working and yet it feels like sometimes we're just maybe beating a dead horse for lack of better word like we're just not making any progress and the, the things that we want to be doing for the Lord or whatever it is, and, and we struggle. But he's saying, I want you to know and to understand the power 
that is yours in Christ. As believers, this power that raised Christ from the dead is there for us as believers. Do we really understand that? Do we really grasp it? And in the remaining verses of this chapter here, he's going to look at who Christ is and where he has been since he's been raised from the dead. So let's, let's look at it. Verse 19, And what is the surpassing greatness of, of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of his strength, of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do we experience that power in our lives? Paul's prayer for the Ephesians was that they would. He, desired, he prayed for them daily. I mean, just constantly lifted them up, wanting them to experience this, to know who Christ was, and to know that that power should be evident in their lives. He wanted it to be evident in their lives. He was praying that, that God would do a supernatural work and that, it would be, that they would be able to see who Christ was. I, like, do we get that this morning? Do we understand who Christ is, the power and the authority? And we say, yes, we say that Christ is living in me and that Christ dwells in me and that we have the power of Christ as we go out and we live and as we face the struggles of this, of this day and age. We say that we have that, but do we truly comprehend and do we truly believe that? I know I, I doubt a lot of times and I, and I struggle with feeling that and like truly believing it. But Paul is praying that it would be revealed to them in a new way, that, that their eyes would be opened, that the eyes of their hearts would be opened to who it is and the promises that they have received as believers. Not so that they can go out and live their best life now. It's not so that they can go out and have all of these things added unto them. It is so that they could go out and live lives knowing that Christ is supreme, knowing that Christ is the final authority. It's not our government. It's not our, you fill in the blank, it's not our finances, it's not our health, it's not any of these things. It's not our employer, it's not our careers, it's not whatever it is that we tend to place as supreme, it is Christ who is supreme. And we can go out and walk in confidence, we can walk in hope, in the newness of life that that brings us, because we know that Christ is supreme, that above all other names, above all the evil that is out there, and it's we're here on Halloween today where a lot of this can be celebrated or we make a lot of the evil that's out there, the evil spirits, and I'm not saying, anyway, we won't get into that, but like it's out there. But Christ is over all of that. He is supreme to all of that. All of that was placed under him. His name is above every name, and that is dwelling inside of us. That same power that resurrected Christ from the dead is living inside of us. And do we experience that? Do we know that? More than just a book knowledge, more than just knowing the answers, do we know it in the way that we experience it, that we have an intimate relationship with him? Paul's again praying that for his people. And I, and I just, I love this prayer that he is, is lifting them up. And I, I think we would do wise as well to pray for this in our lives and to pray for it in the lives 
of those around us, that God would just reveal himself to them, that they would begin to see the power that as believers that is there for them. We don't have to walk in bondage anymore. We don't have to walk in defeat. Even though the, the trials and the things that we may be going through may be overwhelming, Christ has defeated death itself. He has been victorious over that, and we can celebrate that. Paul knows that if their eyes would be open to that truth, that their lives would then go out and be and make an impact in the world around them. And that's his, that's his prayer for them. He knows it's going to impact the church. It's, he, he begins mentioning here, and we're going to be looking at it more as Paul is dealing with the church, and, and this is Christ's body being lived out. This is how he's living out the things that he wants to do through the church. Um, there'll be a lot of mention as we, as we work through um, just what the church is supposed to be, how we're to function. But the power that we have through Christ is going to make a difference in how we live and how we interact with one another. And we get to be a part of what Christ is doing through it. And so let's pray that our eyes would be opened. Pray that the things that have been hindering our vision from the eyes of our heart, that we would begin to see and our hearts would be softened, that we begin to understand who it is that God is and just the God that we serve and what he's calling us to, and that we don't have to walk in fear and in isolation and in disparity, thinking that, you know, I don't know where this world is going. I don't know where my life is headed. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but we can walk in hope and we can walk in victory as believers in Christ. You have been listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from October 31st, 2021. The passage was from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Take care.